It's Resurrection Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. What is it all about? Is it about bunnies? It ain't about rabbits? Well, I, I told the first service, but I do like rabbit. I like to eat rabbit. In fact, I was reminded, the person that was armor-bearing for me said, Pastor, I'm so sorry. We don't have any more rabbits. We, we used to raise them, but we have no more. And uh, her father-in-law actually prepared me a rabbit after he found out I liked rabbit. So if any of you know how to make rabbit, here's your man right here. Just bring it over and I'll eat it for you, okay? Now, some of you are all offended by that, but listen, man, if you haven't had it, you're missing out. Don't blame me for not wanting to enjoy life to the fullest. <sighs> that was a lot. But really, today is not about a rabbit. It's not about a bunny. It's all about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Come on. We've been going through this past six weeks, this series entitled From the Ashes. And we've been focusing on different themes related to different episodes that occurred in the life of Jesus. The first week of this series, we focused on the temptation of Jesus. The Bible reveals both in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Then after we looked at the humility of Jesus, when in John 13 it reveals that He took time to wash the disciples' feet. The Son of God who left heaven's glory humbled Himself and He served the need of the hour. He found a need and He filled it. And then we focused on, as my wife taught us about contemplation, the importance of taking time to be still in the presence of God. The God who wants to speak to us, to commune with us, to fill us with understanding, wisdom. Jesus took time out from His busy schedule to retreat and get along with the Father, to hear what the Father was saying, to know what the Father wanted to do next. And then we focused on confession. And we noticed that because of Jesus, you and I can come and confess our sins to God. And He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And then last week, Pastor Mark shared with us regarding the sacrifice of Jesus. How our high priest sacrificed himself once and for all. Previous to him in the Old Testament, there were thousands of animals that had been slain to cover for the sins of God's people. But our Lamb, Jesus Christ, who is also our high priest, shed his blood that satisfied the justice of God and has made a way for you and I that whenever we want to, we can come into the very presence of God and we can find mercy and grace for our time of need because of Jesus Christ. And now today we're looking at the most important historical fact of of, of history, which is that the one who gave his life for us, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But three days later, he came out of that tomb and he is alive. He lives. He lives. And so today we are looking at the resurrection of Jesus. And let me begin by stating this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most provable fact in all of history. What are you saying, Pastor? There is more evidence that Christ rose from the grave than any other fact in history. Today, followers of the Islamic faith can visit the tomb of their leader, Muhammad. Today, followers of the Buddhist religion can go to the grave of their founder, Buddha. 
You can visit the graves of past presidents and historical figures. You can visit the graves of past loved ones. But you cannot visit the burial place of the greatest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Because he rose from the dead and he lives even today. The pyramids of Egypt are famous because they contained the mummified bodies of ancient Egyptian kings. Westminster Abbey in London is renowned because in it rest the bodies of English nobles and notables. Muhammad's tomb is noted for the stone coffin and the bones it contains. The Taj Mahal was built as a memorial to a wife of one of India's shahs. Arlington Cemetery in Washington, D.C. is revered for it is the honored resting place of many outstanding Americans. But the garden tomb of Jesus is famous not because of what is inside, but because it is empty. Jesus is alive and well today. And I can tell you that I've been to the tomb of Jesus. And when I walked in, I found it empty. And when I walked out, my hands were raised declaring, He lives. He lives. Church, I want you to know, Jesus is more than man. He is the God-man. In His humanity, He died as my sacrifice. But in His divinity, He rose and He defeated death. I want you to understand today that Jesus did more than cheat death. In fact, He didn't cheat death. He confronted death and he conquered it. He overcame it so that you and I could have the hope of eternal life. I'm just getting started right now. I'm feeling this thing. I'm feeling this thing. You got to understand something. Those of you in here, those of you watching our live stream today for the Christian church, this is our Super Bowl Sunday. (laughs) This is the big one. So let's look at what the scripture says in Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 9. Luke 24, 1 through 9. It says, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that He would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered what He had said, that He had said this. Watch this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell His eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. Who rushed back? The women who had come to the tomb. You know the old joke. If you want to get a message out, you can either use Telegram 
telephone or tell a woman. Oh my, I'm, I'm, I'm getting brave now. You better pray for me that I get lunch. Now today I want to focus on four facts regarding the resurrection. The first is this. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that nobody or no thing can stop God's promises. Let me say that again. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that nobody or no thing can stop God's promises. What do you mean, Pastor? The Bible tells us there in Luke 24, 2, that when the women came to the tomb, they found that the stone had been rolled away. There were certain barriers, certain challenges that Jesus would have to deal with in order to come out of the tomb. The first of which was the stone. Then there was the seal, the Roman seal that had been placed on that stone. And then there were the soldiers that had been placed to guard, to make sure that no one got there to remove Jesus' body from the grave. So there were various different obstacles or barriers that Jesus would have to contend with in order to come out of the tomb. But let me let you in on something. There is no obstacle. There is no barrier that God's power cannot break through to fulfill what He has promised. I don't care what you are dealing with, the crisis that you're facing, the challenge that you're undergoing, the difficulty that you're confronting right now. I want to make it clear and I want to be loud about it. Your difficulty, your crisis, your challenge is not a hard thing for God. He is able to do anything through His resurrection power. He can do everything that He's promised He would do. So we see there was a stone. And according to Matthew 28, verse 2, it reveals that an angel rolled away the stone. And then you know what he did? He sat on it. He not only rolled away the stone, he sat on it. It He was saying to us, he was saying, you earthlings think that you can stop God's power from fulfilling God's word? Let me show you something. I can move this stone with my pinky and then I'm sitting on it to show that I have rulership over I want you to understand, God reigns, God rules, and through His power, He can overrule over anything that is trying to stop His purpose and promise from being fulfilled in your life. And what we notice is that when the women arrived, in fact, in John's gospel, John 20, verse 1, it says that they came to the tomb very early. In the dark, they came to the tomb, and when they got there, they found it empty. And what does that reveal? Before... The S-U-N rose. Before the sun rose, the S-O-N, the sun had already risen. For the believer, we don't deny that there are crises, trials, troubles, tribulations, difficulties that we will have to endure even as God's children. But we have a promise. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You see, the earthquake and the angel who rolled the stone away did not come to let Jesus out of the tomb, but to reveal that it was empty and that he had already gone out of it. To quote the late great evangelist R.W. Schambach, he stated, The stone was not rolled away to let the Savior out. It was rolled away 
to let the skeptics in. <laughs> the stone was not rolled away to let the Savior out. He could go through locked doors. He could show up in a room even if the whole place was barricaded. He could show up in the middle of the room. So it wasn't rolled away to let him out. It was rolled away to let any skeptic in to see that he is the risen one. He can do what he says he's going to do. What do you say, Pastor? That stone being rolled away reveals a hard thing for you is an easy thing for God. The hard thing for you is an easy thing for God. And then we have the second obstacle or barrier, which was the seal. The seal. When we look at Matthew's gospel in Matthew 26, verses 62 through 64, we discover that Pilate permitted the leaders to set a guard at the tomb. This guard put an official Roman seal on the stone. All of this was of God. For now, it was impossible for anyone, friend or foe, to steal the body. Without realizing it, the Jewish leaders and the Roman government joined forces to help prove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Woo! The seal of the Roman government on that stone said, Don't you mess with this stone, because to do so will lead to your peril. Because behind the seal is the backing of the entire Roman government and its squadrons that are ready to execute the will of the government. And so that seal meant the deal had been sealed. Ah, but here's what I've discovered. Jesus' resurrection confirms that even when the devil seals the deal, the devil's seal and deal can be broken. The devil's seal and deal can be broken. What are you saying, Pastor? No matter what the devil has authorized against you, God has the power to cancel his plots and his schemes against you. That's why the Bible says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And then, the third obstacle or barrier was the soldiers. If you look at Matthew's gospel there in Matthew 27, 66, in the New Living Translation, it tells us, so they still, they sealed the tomb and watch and posted, notice, plural, guards, plural, guards, to protect it. <laughs> and these weren't any wimps. I mean, these soldiers, they were well-trained, well-armed. They weren't a bunch of chickens. They were brave men. But what happens after this angel from heaven shows up, rolls a stone away, and sits on it? Verse 4 tells us of Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 4 says, The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Woo! What does that confirm? Jesus' resurrection confirms that no matter who is against you, they will not be remaining standing before you if God is for you. Woo! In fact, in fact, God gave Joshua a promise that is applicable to every God follower, every Christ follower. In Joshua 1.5, God said to Joshua, No one will be able 
to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. If God calls you, God accompanies you. God will be with you. And here's what I've learned in my journey. And I've said it over and over again to you because I've experienced the truth of it. Haters are going to hate. But God is going to elevate. God is going to elevate. Let them hate on you all they want. But if God's called you, you will see His purpose be fulfilled in your life. ready for more? Would you tell your neighbor, I want more? Yeah. <laughs> Apologetic. Grant Jeffrey, in his book, Jesus, a Great Debate, points out the following. The Old Testament contains over 300 prophetic passages that refer to the first coming of Jesus the Messiah. 48 of these prophecies refer specifically to the life death and resurrection of Jesus all of them published during an 1100 year period that ended four centuries before Jesus was born in Bethlehem Jesus first coming was prophesied up to 1100 years before he showed up and the last prophecy concerning him was made 400 years before he showed up. But every one of the prophecies regarding his first coming was fulfilled to the letter. The way that he would be born, the place where he would be born, the place where he would be raised. All those prophecies historically and factually have proven to be true. And that's why I know if the Bible says he rose from the dead, he rose from the dead. But that's why also I know that my king that came the first time, he is going to come back again. Because he's not just a good promise giver, he's a promise keeper. So let me say it again. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that nobody or nothing can stop God's promises. The second fact I want you to note is this. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that every enemy from first to last has been conquered. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that every enemy from first to last has been conquered. Look what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 23 through 26. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 through 26 says, But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. After that, the end will come. When He will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until He humbles all His enemies beneath His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is what? Death. Isn't it interesting that during His life, Jesus faced death and He conquered it. And death is the last enemy that you and I will face. Death is the last enemy. But Jesus already defeated our last enemy when he came he already defeated it what for so that we could know that death 
is no match for him. And that since he defeated it, if he says that those who put their faith in him will also live, he already proved death can't stop my purpose or promise from being fulfilled. But not only that, Jesus faced sin. Jesus faced self. Jesus faced Satan. He faced sin as he was tempted throughout his life by the devil and by the world. He was tempted, but yet he did not sin. He faced self as he's there in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's before the Father saying, Father, if it is at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Self was fighting, but then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He overcame self, and then on the cross, he overcame Satan. Well, you and I have enemies to face in life, sin, self, and Satan, but Jesus has conquered them, and therefore, you and I do not have to worry about our enemies. We can be confident in the face of them, because our risen Lord gives us the power to overcome. On one occasion, Michelangelo, the great artist, turned on his fellow artist in a spirit of indignation. He said, why do you keep filling gallery after gallery with endless pictures of the one theme of Christ in weakness, Christ on the cross, and most of all, Christ hanging dead? Why do you concentrate on the passing episode as if it were the last work as if the curtain dropped on him with disaster and defeat he continued the dreadful scene lasted a few hours but to the unending eternity Christ is alive the stone has been rolled away and he rules and he reigns and he triumphs Church, CWC Live CB, Live Stream Family, I want you to know I don't serve a Jesus on a cross. I serve a Jesus who came off the cross, put in a borrowed tomb, but three days later he rose from the dead and he is alive and well and he reigns today. Woo! And here's a third fact the resurrection of Jesus is evidence. That the empty tomb means that your life doesn't have to be. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is evidence that the empty tomb means that your life doesn't have to be. (laughs) Jesus made this statement in John 10.10. In the New King James, a thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look how it reads in the New International Version. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He anoints my head with oil, said the psalmist. My cup runneth over. The Lord didn't come to take away your life. He came to fill your life. He came to fill you. It's the thief that comes to
to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to fill you up with every good and perfect gift that the Father has for you. I've come to fill you with a Zoe life, with the God kind of life, with joy unspeakable and full of glory, with peace that passes all understanding. The Quest Study Bible, it notes this about the question, what changed at the pivotal point in history? What changed at the pivotal point in history? It answers the question with this commentary. The resurrection vindicated Jesus' claims about himself, that he was the son of God in the flesh, the fulfillment of God's dealings with humankind. No longer would people have to follow rules and traditions to find salvation. The old covenant had been superseded by the new, and the proof was in the resurrection. Because Jesus lives, He is the Messiah, the one to trust. Another way to look at this question is to ask, what would be different if Jesus had not risen from the dead? If there had been no resurrection, Christianity as we know it would not exist at most Christians would be following the teachings of just another popular rabbi. His words merely would have joined the countless words of other religious writings. People would be left with no other option for salvation than to strive for absolute obedience. But the resurrection changed everything. People follow Christ teachings not to become saved but because they are saved they've discovered something even better than knowing words they found what it means to know him because he was raised we can be too we can live really live both now and through all eternity Jesus came to fill my life with the hope of knowing that death is not my end death introduces me to a forever beginning that will never end and one more one more fact the resurrection of Jesus is evidence that we have a story worth telling. The resurrection of Jesus is evidence that we have a story worth telling. Look what the Bible says again there in Luke 24, 29. Luke 24, verse 9. Luke 24, 9 says, So they rushed back from the tomb <laughs> to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Now, how many of you women love good sales? Now, how many of you don't wait till you get home to tell your comadre, your girlfriend that, about that sale? No, right away you're on your phone. In fact, you'll, you'll FaceTime. Look, look, look at the prices. You won't believe it. Look, look, look. Right? I mean, when there's good news to tell, you want to rush to tell it. They were rushing to tell it. They were rushing to tell it. Well, you and I have good news to tell. And we need to rush to tell it. We need to get on the phone and gossip. What do you mean gossip? 
Gossip about what God can do. Gossip about his mercy. Gossip about his grace. Gossip about his forgiveness. I mean, get get elaborate because you can't you can't exaggerate his grace. You can't exaggerate his mercy. Doesn't matter how big you say his mercy is, it's bigger still. It doesn't matter how much you brag about his power, his power is greater still. some Christians that will rush to tell it. There's a true story of a woman by the name of Edith Burns. Edith Burns was a wonderful Christian who lived in San Antonio, Texas. She was a patient of of a doctor by the name of Will Phillips. Dr. Phillips was a gentle doctor who saw patients as people. One of his favorite patients was Edith Burns. One morning, he went into his office with a heavy heart, and it was because of Edith Burns. When he came by the waiting room, there sat Edith with her big black Bible in her lap, earnestly talking to a young mother sitting beside her. Edith Burns had a habit of introducing herself in this way. Hello. My name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? Then she would explain the message and the meaning of Easter. And many times people would be saved. Dr. Phillips walked into that office and there he saw the head nurse, Beverly. Beverly had first met Edith when she was taking her pressure. Edith began by saying, hello, my name is Edith Burns. Do you believe in Easter? Beverly said, why, yes, I do. Edith said, well, what do you believe about Easter? Beverly said, well, it's all about Agons going to church and dressing up. Edith kept pressing her about the real meaning of Easter and finally led her to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Dr. Phillips said, Beverly, don't call Edith into the office quite yet. I believe there is another delivery taking place in the waiting room. After a while, Edith was called back in the doctor's office. Edith sat down, and when she took a look at the doctor, she said, Dr. Will, why are you so sad? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Dr. Phillips said gently, Edith, I'm the doctor, and you're the patient. With a heavy heart, he said, your lab report came back. And it says you have cancer. And Edith, you're not going to live very long. Edith said, Why, Will Phillips? Shame on you. Why are you so sad? Do you think God makes mistakes? You have just told me. I'm going to see my precious Lord Jesus, my husband, And my friends, you have just told me that I am going to celebrate Easter forever. And and here you are having difficulty giving me my ticket. Dr. Phillips thought to himself, what a magnificent woman this Edith Burns is. Edith continued to see Dr. Phillips weekly. Christmas came and the office was closed through January 3rd. On the day the office opened. Edith did not show up for her appointment. Later that afternoon, Edith called Dr. Phillips and said she would have to be moving her Easter story to the hospital and said, 
Will, I'm very near home. So would you make sure that they put women in here next to me in my room who need to know about Easter? Well, they did just that. And women began to come in and share that room with Edith. Many women were saved. Everybody on that floor, from staff to patients, were so excited about Edith that they started calling her Edith Easter. That is, everyone except Phyllis Cross, the head nurse. Phyllis made it plain that she wanted nothing to do with Edith because she was a religious nut. She had been a nurse in an army hospital. She had seen it all and heard it all. She was the original G.I. Jane. She had been married three times. She was hard, cold, and did everything by the book. One morning, the two nurses who usually attended to Edith were sick. As a result, Phyllis Cross had to go in and wait on Edith. When she walked in, Edith had a big smile on her face and said, Phyllis, God loves you, and I love you, and I've been praying for you. Phyllis Cross said, well, you can quit praying for me. It won't work. I'm not interested. Edith said, well... I will pray, and I have asked God not to let me go home until you come into the family. Phyllis Cross said, then you will never die because that will never happen, and curtly walked out of the room. For the next several days, Phyllis Cross would walk into the room, and Edith would say, God loves you, Phyllis, and I love you, and I'm praying for you. One day, Phyllis Cross said she was literally drawn to Edith's room like a magnet would draw iron. She sat down on the bed and Edith said, I'm so glad you have come because God told me that today is your special day. Phyllis Cross said, Edith, you've asked everybody here the question, do you believe in Easter? But you have never asked me. Edith said, Phyllis, I wanted to many times, but God told me to wait until you asked. And now that you have asked... Edith Burns took her Bible and shared with Phyllis Cross the Easter story of the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Edith said, Phyllis, do you believe in Easter? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is alive and that he wants to live in your heart? Phyllis Cross said, oh, I want to believe that with all of my heart. And I do want Jesus in my life. Right there, Phyllis Cross prayed and invited Jesus Christ into her heart. Two days later, Phyllis Cross came in and Edith said, Do you know what day it is? Phyllis Cross said, Why, Edith, it's Good Friday. Edith said, Oh, no, not for the believer. Every day is Easter. Happy Easter, Phyllis. Two days later, on Easter Sunday, Phyllis Cross came into work did some of her duties and then went down to the flower shop and got some Easter lilies because she wanted to go up to see Edith and give her some Easter lilies and wish her a happy Easter. When she walked into Edith's room, Edith was in bed. Her big black Bible was on her lap. Her hands were in that Bible. There was a sweet smile on her face. When Phyllis Cross went to pick up Edith's hand, she realized Edith was gone. Her left hand index finger was on John 14:2 in my father's house are many mansions 
Phyllis Cross took one look at that body and then lifted her face toward heaven and with tears streaming down her cheek said, Happy Easter, Edith. Happy Easter. Phyllis Cross, Phyllis Cross left Edith's body, walked out of the room and over to a table where two student nurses were sitting. She said, my name is Phyllis Cross. Do you believe in Easter? (laughs) What happened to Phyllis Cross? She got pardon and she got a purpose because of the resurrected Lord that changed Edith Burns who couldn't help but rush and tell everybody you don't have to remain in your sin you can be forgiven and I've come to tell everybody in this room and on live stream you don't have to be bound I know a chain breaker you don't have to be bound by addiction you don't have to be bound by bitterness you don't have to be bound by your past I know a chain breaker I know a deliverer I know one who is mighty to save and he is able through his resurrection power to bring life to your soul all you got to do is call upon him he lives and because he lives you can live as well Uh. let me wrap this up a story is told of an African Muslim who became a Christian His friends asked, why have you become a Christian? He answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road and suddenly the road forked into two directions and you didn't know which way to go. There at the fork were two men, one dead and one alive. Who would you ask which way to go? I know who I would ask, the live one. Well, Jesus said this, church, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. He said, I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Jesus is the living one. You want to know where to go? Go ask him. He's the resurrected one. He's the only one that and rose again and continues to live and he will live forever and ever and through him we have the hope of glory today is your day if you haven't already done it to call on the name of the one that can quicken you that can make you alive I was dead according to Ephesians 2 in my sins and my trespasses but thank God that he has made me alive he has quickened me he's made me alive through the resurrection power of Jesus and today he can make you alive if you are without God in your life if you've never invited Jesus into your life my friend you are spiritually dead. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I'm not going to tell you that all people go to heaven even though they say all dogs go to heaven. I want you to know not everybody gets to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. It's not through religion. It's not through religion. It is through a relationship with the one who said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. There is no way that you and I could earn enough brownie points to earn our way to heaven. There is no way that we could be good enough because there is none who does 24-7 good, not one. But there is one who 
locked in 24 7 365 days good his name is jesus but then he offered himself as a living sacrifice and through his blood you can be forgiven you can be made new i'm here to tell you i was bound but now i'm free i was blind but now i see i was i was an addict to habits that were destroying my life but i can tell you when he set me free he set me free indeed because that's what his power can do and he can do the same thing for you Woo! <laughs> yeah that's why people how can you believe in god how couldn't you when you were a mess like I was a mess and you know it and you know there's times you try to free yourself and you couldn't do it but the day you took him at his word he delivered you and you can prove to people look I was bound by that but you can look now I have not been in that mess anymore and it wasn't because of my willpower because my willpower kept me tripping my willpower kept me slipping but when I got a hold of his hand and his hand got a hold of me he put me he picked me up out of the pit placed my feet on solid rock and I have been free through him Woo! oh yeah 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 I know I know I know I know I know I'm too excitable but if you knew where I was to where I'm at you'd be shouting too you'd be rushing to tell this news and that's why I've come to tell it and I've come to yell it they say preachers yell it teachers tell it I'm, I'm obviously a preacher you know father I thank you so much you gave your one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You sent your son into this world not to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You made the way. You paved the way. You gave your life, Jesus, as the innocent sufferer and sacrifice. You took upon yourself my sin penalty, my sin punishment. You became my sin offering so that I could be made right with God not through my religious works not through my willpower but through faith in your finished work on my behalf and I'm so grateful that Christianity does not begin with do it begins with done it is finished to tell us die the payment has been made in full through the blood of Jesus Christ and because you've risen I can rise and walk in newness of life. A life that previous to knowing you I thought was impossible. But now it's livable. And you make us more than conquerors. And you empower us to overcome the things that used to enslave and hold us captive. And your word says whoever, regardless of background, regardless of creed, Regardless of our history, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. You shed your blood for every person of every tongue, every tribe, every nation. There are people in this building and watching on live stream who have an ache in their soul. They would love to be filled with that peace that passes all understanding, with that joy unspeakable and full of glory that you offer. Oh God, right now, may they be prompted by your Spirit to call upon you 
the one who extends salvation to them because salvation belongs to you, Lord. Just call on Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, deliver me. Jesus, I want what you made possible to become real in my life. I want deliverance. I want salvation. I want eternal life. I say yes to you. I turn from my sin and I turn to you, the Savior. I call upon you. Wash me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Jesus. He wants to fill your life. Let him do it now.